All right, good morning, familia. Could you please stand for the reading of God's word? We're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 22. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 14. Genesis chapter 22. We're going to read uh, for this occasion verses 1 through 14. This is the word of the Lord. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on, on a mountain I will show you. Verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he uh, had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told them about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife, and the two of them went on together. Verse 7, Isaac spoke and said to his father Abraham, Abraham, father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay your hand on the boy, he said. Do not, uh, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Verse 13. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its thorns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, please speak to us this morning. I pray for the ministry and the presence of the Spirit, the one that illuminates our minds, reveals the secrets of our hearts, and takes us to Jesus. Please do this today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And we all say, you may be seated. Good morning, familia. For the last few weeks, we have been going through a life of one of the fathers of, our, of the Christian faith. If you are a Christian, the father of our faith, his name, Abraham. And what we're going to learn from him today is that faith is one of those things that need to be tested in order for us to grow. Doesn't, uh, doesn't seem like good news, but it's actually a really good thing. Let me say that again. Faith is one of those things that need to be tested in order for us to grow. 
In other words, that if you want to grow in the strength of your faith, if you want to grow in your relationship with God, you must expect for God to test you. That's why the title for the sermon today is Abraham, Amen, Tested. And I have three points for today, really simple points. Look at here. Point number one, the test. The number two, the fight. And number three, the blessing. With the test, we're seeing, we're asking this question. What was Abraham's test and what was the reason for that test? With the fight, we are, we, are, we are learning from Abraham how is it that he dealt with this. And with the blessing, we are looking into what was the outcome of this and what is it that we have that is even better to what Abraham had. The test, the fight, and the blessing. Look at the first one here, the test. Um, let's just start with the text that starts in verse number one. And right from the beginning, he says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. Let me stop there for a second because I have to give you a little bit of context just in case there's anybody here that is not familiar with this story. Actually, let me give you a little bit of context so you understand what it means when he says that sometime later. By this time in the story of Abraham, he has experienced some, ma some major things in his life. So for example, at age 75, God called them to this spiritual journey. 75 people. God told them that he will make of him this great family that will be so and so large that will be like the, that the stars in heaven. And then God makes a covenant with him and says that he was going to be for him and with him forever. And then on top of that, God works supernaturally, and God gives him a son from a wife that couldn't have a child. In addition to a second son that he had from another wife. By now, the time that we're reading this text today, Abraham is 100 years old. 25 years have gone by. 25 years. God calls him at 75, and God calls him back at age 100. You would think that 25 years is enough for this man to grow in faith. During these 25 years, he's learned to trust the Lord. He has walked with the Lord. He has experienced the power of God. And for some reason, God thinks that is not enough. For some reason, God thinks that 25 years is not enough for someone to become strong in their faith. From God's perspective then, faith for the believer or in the believer needs to be stretched time after time. That's the principle. From God's perspective, if you are a Christian, your faith needs to be stretched time after after time. And that's why the test is necessary. Now, if we continue reading the text, he says that he said that God said to him, Abraham, here I am. And he replied, and God says, and this comes the test, which is extremely, extremely painful. Take your son, your only son whom you love and sacrifice him and give him to me as a burnt offering. Now, there's a few things that I want you to see. The word son in the entire text appears 10 times in a row. 10 times. 
And the reason why the word son is repeated there so many times is because God wants us to know and God wants us to feel the magnitude and the intensity of what God is asking Abraham to do. Now, this is what is interesting. There's a, a scholar named Robert Alter, a Hebrew scholar that passed away. Um, he says that God here is very specific in the way he's talking to Abraham. And he's being very specific in the way he's communicating to Abraham because he wants to make sure that Abraham understands what he's asking him to do. So he imagines the conversation like this. God says, take your son. And then Abraham says, which one? I have two. And then he says, God says, your only son. And then Abraham says, hold on a second, God. You forgot that I have two. And then God says, no, no, no. Give me the son you love. See, if you remember the story, Abraham with his two sons, Isaac and Ishmael, you know that Isaac, Ishmael, comes from a woman that he didn't even love. But Isaac came from the woman that he truly loved, meaning that he truly, truly, truly loved this kid. And I don't care how spiritual you are. If God asks you to do something like this, if God would ask you, would ever ask you to surrender or to sacrifice your kid, that's a test. So let me make a, something clear here, just in case there's somebody uh, here that has questions or problems with this text. There are two things that you got to keep in mind. Number one, God never intended to kill this kid. I mean, Abraham didn't know, but we know that God never intended to kill this kid. And number two, that this thing would never happen again. Because there was a historical purpose for this event. So if someone, if some voice, supernatural voice tells you, sacrifice your kid, that is not God. Just in case. So the story continues, and then you got to ask the question, why is it that God tested Abraham like this? And I think that it's important that we make a distinction between a test and a temptation. Because I think that a lot of people usually confuse those two terms. And I'm going to explain this really simple like this. A test is never a temptation because the devil is the one that tempts because he wants you to sin. But God is the one that tests because he wants reformation. Let me say that again. The devil is the one that tempts because he wants you to sin, but God never tempts. He tests because he wants reformation. The reason why I'm using the word reformation here is because it's a historical word that says that God is in the business of shaping you and changing you more and more into his image. God is in the business of shaping you and changing you more and more so you look like him Think like him, live like him. Let me tell you why that's so important. Because if, if the relationship, if, if the God you have, he never asks you to change anything. He never asks you to die to anything. He doesn't make you uncom uncomfortable at times. That's not the God of the Bible. 
the God of the Bible would always, always ask you to die to yourself. Because God is in the business of shaping you and changing you. And that's a painful process. So if you're visiting here for the first time, I want you to feel comfortable. And I want you to know that God is love. But he's a God that loves you so much that he is going to inflict pain to make you better. Oh, this is the worst Sunday to come to church. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> That's just what it is. Now, what we have to do is we've got to learn how to think about this. Why is it that God brings tests into our lives? And I think that I have three reasons. Number one, remember, it's reformation. It's reforming you again. It's transforming you again. It's changing you again. The first reason is because test allows you to see what you truly love. This is what is so interesting about Abraham. I already told you that he waited for this kid 15 years. He prayed about this probably. He, he pursued this probably. For 15 years, and he comes from the woman that he truly loves. This is the kid that he always wanted. But this is what God wants to do with him. He wants Abraham to ask the question, do I love my kid more than what I love God? Or do I love the gift more than what I loved the giver? You know that God would always ask you that question. Do you love what I give you more than what you love me? Do you love my hands more than what you love my heart? This is so important, people. Because real love is always sacrificial. Real love demands sacrifice. If you are not willing to sacrifice anything for the Lord, you might not love him. Listen, you know this. Everything that is beautiful is costly. See, a mom needs to sacrifice in order to have a baby. Parents need to sacrifice in order to protect their kids. In a healthy marriage, you must learn how to die to yourself for the love of your spouse. A good friend is willing to suffer for other friends. See, when I have counseling, when, uh, and I do this all the time, so you might not want to come to me. But when a couple comes to me and they're talking about, oh, I, I, I love you so much and I'm doing this thing and I don't know why you're struggling with this. And the answer of the guy or the girl is like, what do you mean I don't love you? Look at all the stuff I give you. This is what I say. You show how much you love, not just because of the things you give, but because of the things you're willing to sacrifice. That's love. If there's no sacrifice, there's no love. That's part of the problem when I have with couples when they start dating. And they're so quick to say, I'm so in love. And I always want to say, I never say it, but I always want to say, no, you don't. You don't love that person because you have not been with this person long enough to have to sacrifice anything. See, tests are necessary because God wants to show you what you truly love. 
Number two, test is necessary because it reveals your character. See, we, we know a lot about Abraham, not so much because of the things he did, but because how he behaved here. Tests reveal what you already have. You think that you know a person, and you think that you know yourself. But if you really want to know if you know that person or if you know yourself, look at what you do and look at what you think when you go through struggles. If you really want to know who you are, look not only at what you do, but look at how you think when things get complicated. Look, I'm a master pretending, people. I'm a master pretending. I could have the biggest fight at home with my wife. This is crazy. This is crazy. I could have the biggest fight at home with my wife. And I could be completely disrespectful and impatient with my kids. But if I have to preach, I change. And then I leave this place and everyone is like, wow, Hannibal is so spiritual. <laughs> if you want to know who you are, just look at what you do and how you think. And things get complicated. See, I thought that I was a patient man until I got kids. See, I thought that I was going to be an amazing, and I'm not exaggerating, people. I thought that I was going to be an amazing husband until I got married. I thought that I was smart and wise until I became a pastor. See, tests are necessary to reveal your character. And number three, tests are necessary to show you in what or whom you trust. See, here we have Abraham, and God makes this promise that he's going to make of him this great nation. And God asks him to do this, and God wants Abraham to ask himself this. Listen up. Can God do this without my kid? Can I trust him enough to do what he, he's asking me to do, even though this inexplicable, illogical, and it doesn't make any sense? In other words, can I trust him? Tests are necessary so you could see if you truly trust him. There's a brand new book that just came out like about a month ago uh, by Elizabeth Elliot. It's actually a, a, a group of lectures she gave before. And the name of the book is Suffering is Never for Nothing. Now, for those of you that are not familiar with Elizabeth Elliot, this was a woman that suffered a lot. She lost, uh, she got married three times and all three times she lost her husband, uh, her, her husband's, right? And... Um, uh, she was a missionary with her first husband, and her, the, the first husband got killed by doing the will of God. You got to keep that in mind, because sometimes when God calls you to do something, that means that you're probably going to suffer. Um, and this is what she says in this book. It's through the deepest suffering that God has taught me the deepest lessons. And if we we'll trust him for it, we can come through the unshakable assurance that he is in charge. He has a loving purpose. 
And he can transform something terrible into something wonderful. Suffering is never for nothing. That's an amazing thought. In God's economy, suffering is never for nothing. See, from God's perspective, the most loving thing he could do for you and for me is to test us. Why would he leave us the way we are? Why wouldn't he change all the nasty stuff we have inside? Tests is the most, a test is the most loving thing God could do for you. Suffering is never for nothing. You have to trust him. That's the test. Question, how many of you guys enjoy testing life? Please raise your hand. But now you understand it. You don't have to enjoy it, but you have to understand it. That's my first point. Now the question we got to ask Abraham, was this easy for you? And the answer will be, of course not. So that would take us to the second point, the fight. Now the reason why I'm using this word is because I am convinced, I am convinced that, fight, uh, that faith requires that you learn how to fight. That you learn how to fight with yourself. That you learn how to fight with your thoughts. See, it is completely human and normal every time you have tested to ask questions like this. Is this fair? I don't think this is fair. Why am I going through this? Does God even love me? Do I have, did, did I do something wrong? Why pray? If God is not going to do anything, all those questions are valid. If you don't ask the questions, probably, probably there's something wrong with you. Probably. But during this process, you know, we question our identity and we question our value and we sometimes we even question God's character. And I, I'm almost sure that Abraham went through the same things that we go through. And that he asked the questions that we ask. But I want to show you how is it that Abraham dealt with this. Because at the end of the day, Abraham was just another sinner like all of us. He was just another human being. So what I want you to see here is that from verses 3 to 4, the writer of the book moves really fast. And I want to show you this really quick. Look what it says. He got early the next morning. He got up. He loaded his donkey. He took with him his two servants and his son Isaac. And if you notice, the move is really fast. And then he cut the wood. And he set out for the place that God told him to go. And then three days later, Abraham, Abraham looked at the place where he was supposed to arrive. Really fast. Boom, 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 boom. And part of the reason why the author is doing this is because he wants to show us how fast Abraham was willing to obey. That true obedience moves fast. But then the author stops in verses 6 and 7. And everything goes like in slow motion to show us the intensity of what's happening. And look at what Abraham says. Look at what happens in verse 6. And I'm going to read this one. Abraham took the wood for the burnt, burnt offering 
and placed it on his son Isaac. Stop. How many of you guys are parents? Please raise your hand. You have to feel what's happening here. You already know what God asked you to do. And he takes this word and places it on his son, his beloved son. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. You know what it means that Isaac is carrying the same word and the, the knife that is going to be used for his execution. And Abraham knows this. As a father, he knows this. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son. You know, this part here is so important because this is the only, the one and only conversation recorded between Abraham and Isaac. You don't hear him, you don't read any of the conversations anywhere else in the Bible. And once again, the author here wants us to feel what this meant. The only conversation recorded between Abraham and his son is this. And look at what happened. He says, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? What would you say? Come on, people, think with me. What would you say? Would you lie? I don't know. <laughs> would you do what most of us do as parents? We pretend like we didn't hear anything. <laughs> what, what, what would you do? Did you tell him the truth? Okay, don't worry, you're going to die. You know how awful this is? What will you do? I think that a better question is, what is that Abraham did to cope with this thing for three days? Three days, Abraham, knowing that he didn't want to sacrifice his son. Three days wondering what is it that the God, was, God was doing. Three days trying to make sense of this and not being able to. Even as he's being obedient. Three days. Now this is what is interesting. We don't find the answer to what he did in Genesis chapter 22. But we don't have to guess. Because Hebrews chapter 11 tells us how is it that Abraham was able to cope with this test. Look at what Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 and 19 says. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, he who had embraced, embraced the promises. God said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. The key word here in this text is the word recent. The word recent can be translated as to ponder, 
as to think, as to really, really think. For three days, this man is wrestling with God. He's thinking about the character of God, the promises of God, the, the, the presence of God, the power of God. To the point that he gets to this point and he realized two things. Number one had to do with the promises. When God promised something, he never breaks his promises. People, you got to be with me. When God makes a promise, God never breaks his promises. And number two, that God is always powerful. So he knew that even if he would have to sacrifice his son, God was powerful enough to raise him up again. Who does that? This is the reason why Christianity is a thinking faith. It's not just this emotional faith that makes you feel things in your stomach. It's not just this nice feeling when you worship God. The Christian faith is a thinking faith in which you reason and you learn and you grow to what God has already said about himself. This is the reason why in Genesis chapter 22, verse 5, Abraham, prior to going to the mountain, says this. We will worship, then we will come back to you. Was he being ironic? Of course not. He means it. And then later on, when he's asking, when he's having this conversation with Isaac, right? And Isaac says, where's the, where's the offering, dude? And he says, look at his answer. God himself will provide. God himself will provide. In the midst of all of these people, in the midst of your struggles, in the midst of the stuff that you go through, God can always be trusted because his character proves it. God can always be trusted because his character proves it. He trusted God's promises and God's power in such a way that even when he was feeling awful as a father, even when he's feeling he's terrified for the thought of losing his beloved son, even when he knows that God is asking him to do something that it doesn't make any sense, Abraham knows that God is always trustworthy. He knows that God never lies. He knows that even when things go wrong, God is still in control. He knows that even when you are being tested, God is still powerful. And he knows that even when we lose, God has the power to raise a vulnerable kid to life. This story reminds us, this story reminds me of Job, you know. This was a good man, a righteous man. But in one day he lost all of his animals, all of the people that worked with him, all of his kids. He got a skin infection and his loving wife comes to him and says, curse God and die. So much for emotional support there. And then when he starts, he's got all these friends that are really, really, really bad friends. But they want to blame him for everything that he's going through. 
And then in the midst of his struggles, he starts asking God all these questions, and God does not answer any of them. Right at the end of Job, what you see is God reminding him how powerful he is, how perfect he is, how wise he is. And he never answered any of the questions. Do you know why? So Job would learn that regardless of the circumstances, even when you are tested, you can always trust God. Because he is in charge. Because he has a loving purpose. Because he's got the power to transform something terrible into something wonderful. Every time you are tested, God says, trust me. Trust me. All right, so we talked about the test. We talked about the fight. And now, let's talk about the blessing. Now, um, Abraham passes this test. Actually, right before he's going to kill his kid, God stops him. He says, Abraham, Abraham, don't kill your kid. And then he provided a ram. And that was actually a text that I just skipped. After that, God called that place, the Lord will provide what is interesting is that after this, from verses 6, 17 to 19, God reconfirms what he had already told him before. He says, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to give you an offspring that will be as large as the stars in heaven, and you will be a blessing to the nations. It's a reconfirmation of what God has already told them in three different occasions. Now, when you hear a story like this, you think, well, this is amazing. And it's so easy to assume that the reason why we are learning this and going through this is so we learn how to be like, we learn to be like Abraham. That we respond the way Abraham responds. And I would say that that's one of the reasons why we go through this, but there's a major reason. I would say the ultimate reason why we have this story is because this story points to the cross. This narrative is all about the gospel. Points to the cross. And the reason why I'm so confident in saying that is because I'm not the one saying it. Jesus said it. You find that in John chapter 8. This is Jesus speaking. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. And this is what Jesus is saying. Somehow. After Abraham went through all of this, he understood that there was a greater reason why this, this man had to go through that. There was a greater reason, and that reason is that that event would point to another event in which there was another test, and that test would have to be overcome. Somehow, Abraham saw into the future a similar event. And in that event, it would not be Abraham and Isaac. In that, event, it would, in that event, it would be God the Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ. Somehow, Abraham saw this painful test, the ultimate test. The test that would actually guarantee the blessing of the nations. Somehow, 
Abraham saw into the future a better Abraham. God the Father himself, who would have to sacrifice his son, his beloved son, Jesus Christ. Somehow, Abraham saw the better Abraham. The one that was also asked a question by his son. Why have you forsaken me? But this time the father will have to absorb the agony of the moment. And say nothing. Because Jesus had to die. Somehow, Abraham saw the better Abraham. Who also had to raise his hand to sacrifice his son. But there was no one to stop him. Somehow Abraham saw into the future another mountain. Calvary. And in that mountain, a better Isaac, Jesus, will have to die. Somehow. Abraham saw the better Isaac, Jesus Christ, also carrying his wood. The very wood that will be used for his execution. Somehow, Abraham saw the better Isaac, Jesus Christ, that will be placed on that wood. And no one would take his place. Question for you is this. Can God be trusted? Of course he can be trusted. Jesus guarantees it. You know, Paul says that all the promises of God in Jesus Christ are always yes and amen. We know that when God promises something to his children, he's going to fulfill his promises because all the promises of God are yes in Jesus. And if God was faithful enough to raise his son from the dead, don't you think that he's powerful enough to raise you from anything and everything you go through? See, we have something better than what Abraham had. We have Jesus and what he did for us. And that's always a reminder that God is in charge. That everything he brings has a loving purpose. And that through any and every circumstance, he always transforms something terrible into something wonderful. And you can trust that. Amen. Can we pray? Oh, beautiful Savior, what beautiful promises we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, we do acknowledge that uh, every time we go through tests, Lord, it's just painful. Lord, but at the same time, Lord, we reasoned. We reasoned, the same Abraham reasoned. We reason enough to remember that Jesus Christ suffered what none of us have suffered. And that because he suffered, we know that everything you promise is always a yes in him. And we know that even when we struggle, he's powerful enough to turn ugly things into beautiful things. Please help us believe. Please allow us to believe. 
And please teach us to trust, to trust you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And we all say...